She's April. And she's Molly. And we are actually here. The Book Besties. <laughs> that, that's all you got to do. British people. I got you. I don't think that book crushes count. Suck it up, buttercup. We're done. The show's over. We're done now. Oh, the sex. So good. I could have done with less sex. Ah! Anita, man! People deserve orgasms. I'm a freaking sock. Okay, Dad? I'm a sock. <laughs> it's both of us! Both of us! <laughs> Woo! I took last week off. And it felt good, right? Yeah, I mean, I have kind of gotten burned out. I had to read... Girl, um, same. <laughs> I had to read for pod for work and for the con, which we attended right. as pod, but it was additional reading. And so um, I just really got burned out. And then, all the books. All the books. And then um, I actually was, I went to a concert last week. Um, awesome. Well, by the time this episode comes out, I guess it'll be two weeks, like a week and a half, something like that. Um, wibbly wobbly timey wimey. Yeah, I don't um, do I don't do math. Well, my favorite musician ever is Andrew McMahon. I've been right following his you. career. Right behind you, right there. Over what? Your oh, right. Poster. <laughs> I'm not sure that'll be He's in the right there. He's <laughs> right there. Tom cuts it. Um, He's behind but- you. <laughs> I wish. <laughs> Um, so he's been my favorite musician for over 20 years. I've been following his, his first band, which was something corporate. Um, and he was the lead singer and mm-hmm. pianist and mostly the lyricist for, um, the band. Um, the band broke up and he did a solo project project called Jack's Mannequin, which is like when I went from like, oh, I like this guy's sound to like, I love this guy's sound. That's awesome. Um, Jack's Mannequin. Uh, I don't want to go into all the details, but there's a song by them. It's Jack's mannequin is really Andrew McMahon. And then he's like, this is my backup man. And we'll just call it Jack. Andrew McMahon and Jack's mannequin. Right. Which yeah. his current band is Jack, uh, Andrew McMahon in the wilderness. <laughs> so it, it's the Andrew McMahon show. We got it. Right. <laughs> So one of the one of his songs, uh, which is the resolution, has become mm-hmm. like my life anthem, and I nice. don't want to go into the details about why. But um, I actually got to meet Andrew McMahon before the concert. My friend Dana and I, shout out to Dana. Um, we hey, got Dana. <laughs> yeah, we got VIP passes, um, and I didn't think she would want to do the VIP because she doesn't know him um yeah. but she was like yeah he's your favorite musician let's go it's fine you know whatever that's awesome um, and so i met him and i told him my struggles with mental health and why his music has meant so much mm-hmm. to me and the first thing he said was not oh thank you for loving my music you know i appreciate support the first thing he said was are you okay now <sighs> and i just feel like i met that one is of so heroes. sweet i met one of my heroes And he wanted to make sure that I was doing the things to keep my mental health in check. And like, that's beautiful. It was freaking awesome. That is beautiful. Yeah. I cried. That is so sweet. It shows that he's a freaking baby. (laughs) It shows how much of a good human he is, right? That his music, sometimes there are famous people Mm -hmm. and they put out this beautiful, heartwarming stuff, be it work, writing, 
music, whatever. And turns out they're trash can human beings. So it's really nice when it pans out and you meet a celebrity and they're just as beautiful as you thought they were in real life. It is. Yeah. That's lovely. And uh, when he played that song during the concert, which I did not expect him to, but when mm-hmm. he played the, con- the the song during the concert, we were in the front row, standing in the mm-hmm. front row. Terrible idea for my hips. Awful. Obviously. Like, <laughs> he looked up and nodded at me. And I was just like, he fucking remembered. He thought so of cool. you. He, so put cool. it in, he, he thought of you. That's amazing. Yeah. So I have his autograph on the poster that's behind me. And he uh, has a journal that has lyrics of, from his songs in it. And they're like writing prompts for journals. And he that's beautiful. That he wrote my name in it. And I was just like, I can't believe this day is real. It's, like It was yeah. remarkable. So that's having beautiful. a break from reading and being able to like go to that concert and just focus on that. Like I just needed it. So, so soothing. It was great. It was great. Well, my my week has not been as exciting. I I finished. I finished um, the new season of Fab Five of the Queer Eye. Oh, I don't. I don't watch it. You talking about the one that's on Netflix? Mm -hmm. Um, I watched a few episodes of that one, and I watched a few episodes of it when it used to be on TV. But I'm just not really a follower of it. Um. I like it because it's light. JVN makes my heart happy. They're funny and they're just I don't know who that is. Um, JVN is Jonathan Van Ness. He, they, they, they're is non-binary. He, is, is they the one with the long, uh, yeah, long they, hair? Are they the one with the long hair? With the beard? And, okay. Yes. Um, yeah, I know well, who that is. They, uh, so... The last episode. The only reason I'm talking about this is because this last episode sat with me for only one reason. Jonathan gets this um, person. They're here because they call them heroes, right? He gets the hero in the chair, okay? Mm-hmm. And they're going to do their hair, the, the man's hair. And JVN goes, honey! And he loses his shit and he goes, what is going on with your knees? <laughs> the guy's knees, he's... Caucasian, like you and I, the guy's knees are chocolate brown. Come to find out, he has a buildup of skin there. Jonathan had to get exfoliant and was making the man scrub his knees while they were doing his hair. He's like, this is a genetic thing. And like, the guy, he's like sitting there scrubbing his knees this whole episode. And I'm like... So it's like having ashy elbows, but it was knees? it was awful. And all I could do was like keep pulling my leg up to check my knees. I was like, are my knees brown? Do I not wash my knees well? How often am I supposed to be washing my knees? Are we supposed to be exploding our knees? I have a lot of questions now, JBN. I mean, I guess, does he do work where he's on his knees a lot? Like, is he a plumber? He's, he owns a deli. Well, then that, I don't get it. I don't either. It, it, it was weird. Like, the rest of him was clean. He was a clean man. He just I know. I don't know how to feel about this. I don't either. <laughs> Why do you think it's on my head so much? <laughs> oh my gosh. Would you rather talk about this week's book? <laughs> sure. I would rather talk about <laughs> Other than a buildup of skin cells on your knees. I don't know how to transition from that, Molly. Okay. I don't either. This week, we are reading Love and Other Disasters by mm. Anita Kelly. 
And Anita Kelly uses they, them pronouns. And ah. Anita, I just want to say I've been on your Instagram. We follow you on there. I mm-hmm. commented a few of your things. Um, I really want us to make sure that we are gendering you correctly. So we are going to use they, them. But I, uh, London talks about this in here. Accidents happen. I do not want you to be offended. We are going to do our best. Damn skipping. Of the they, them pronouns. Mm-hmm. We're not doing it because we don't like it or whatever. So she's a, she lives in the Poconos. They live in the Poconos. See, Damn it. You just literally said that. <laughs> I, I am so sorry. California. I thought this says, okay, this is, I'm on her, their website. I'm on their website. I'm trying so yeah, hard. I swear guys. Of Pennsylvania. Yep. And they're a, a YA, a teen librarian. So I saw that. You know, I feel, I feel that in my soul because I'm a children's librarian and in my library system, we don't have a teen librarian. Uh, we have a, we have one at one location and then the rest and of us that are children's librarians, we do all the ages. So, Fine. all right. So, uh, synopsis. Synopsis. By the way, I was very proud of your synopsis last week. Thank you. I wrote it just for you, by the way. I don't, wrote it knowing you were going to listen. Need, don't feel like you need to do that. No, I love impressing you. Just it is you. one of my goals in my life is to impress you. I don't know why. <laughs> your opinion of me matters. Yes, but I'm going to love you anyway. Like right, but I'd love you to love, more but I'd love you to love me more. Okay. Well, Trauma! Gonna... <laughs> okay. Dahlia's life is a mess. Word. He needs to win the home cooking competition chef special to pay down her debt from her recent divorce. London has big dreams of starting a nonprofit for LGBTQ youth. The $100,000 prize for winning chef special would make amazing startup money. The only thing that stands in both of their ways is the incredible complicated attraction they have to each other and the other contestants of course. <laughs> of course london being out as non-binary on national television is huge huge for their community dahlia's sweet demeanor and general happy nature make her a good companion but neither person could predict that their friendship would blossom quickly into an intimate one but we could because it's a rom-com uh the, the first one for this dahlia outside of her ex-husband and the first for london since they came out three years ago as the competition heats up so does the sex both lead up to the season finale and no one will forget oh the sex the sex was so good so i don't before we jump into questions i don't know if this is conclusive that you can no longer say that i don't like the lesbian books because london is non-binary and pan so i don't know if it counts but they both have vaginas <laughs> i have the big okay so i've my identity is fluid but i've always known two genders well mm-hmm. it, london is making me question that i have the biggest crush on london i don't like, think bush cr- bush oh my gosh bush. That changes the sentence completely. I, I mean, a bush crush does count. <laughs> if you crush that, on a bush. <laughs> I don't think that book crushes count. Oh. Um, I, I do. I feel like I have a book crush on a lot of people. Like, I have a fucking book crush on Katniss, and that's... Yeah. Not, that's that's not power, though. I have a, she's a teenager. And, she's a child. 
Yeah. Child. Well, well at the beginning, it's more, I guess at the it's end, more it's such a, a, a strong feeling of like, I don't know. It's not an attraction. Damn. It's harder to, it's harder to explain it. I'm not like attracted to her. You know what I mean? Mm. But all right. So, um, I want to start, um, by talking about the writing in this book, but I do want to give a preface. So um, Anita Kelly, we've already said, uses they, them pronouns. And yes. um, they wrote this one. Uh, first book that I've read with a non-binary character. Same. In it. And Same. yeah, I was thinking it was for you as well. So we're going to have an honest discussion about the book and, and the writing. Um, but neither of us is in a place to judge anyone for their sexuality or their gender identity. Um, both Molly and I identify as female we were also born female so um we are not we're not lizzieing here if you've read the book you know who lizzie is we're not doing not that. we're not lizzie we are going to um judge the contents of the book Word. and that's what we do every week here at book besties um we have said given this like same little you know like breakdown so yeah we, what is it that i want to Disclaimer. There we go. That's that's the word. We've given the same disclaimer Sorry. when we've done other LGBTQ books and when we've done books that feature people of color or differently abled books because that's not where we live. Although Molly is neurodivergent and so am I, that doesn't necessarily mean that we understand the struggles of, some, of every neurodivergent person. No, and so. I mean, just because I fall in the queer rainbow doesn't mean I understand the plight of everybody that's queer. Right, exactly, exactly. So, uh, so with all of that said, and that's the only time I'm adding this disclaimer, guys. So please have heard it. <laughs> and this is it. Suck it up, Buttercup. We're done. <laughs> now we're going to talk about the meat and potatoes of the book. Um, okay, so what did you think of their writing? I like her style. I like her style a lot. I um, we'll talk about this more. She is more character heavy than she is setting heavy. Mm -hmm. And her balance in writing is she is more concerned with character development as a writer. They, they are more concerned mm -hmm. with character development as a writer than they are about setting. Yeah. You'll see at times in this book where they choose to focus on setting up our characters instead of setting a scene. Yeah. And there are times where I was like, hmm, I wish X, Y, and Z was in here or X, right. Y, and Z was in here. Yeah. And oh, I, I agree. And we're going to talk about the setting in a minute too. But I, I think that there were definitely some holes in this book, but I cannot say that the verbiage, that the like actual text. Yeah. I can't, com I can't complain about it. No, I no. Mean, there's a lack of setting, which we're going to talk a little bit more about. There's maybe some cliches, but the writing itself is really solid. And this was her, this was their first book. And it's the first time that I'm really seeing a non-binary book that's having so much like publicity. Like it's, yeah. it's one that I actually was recommended uh, from. Well, I don't know that Janice necessarily recommended it. She was reading it and I was like, I want to read that too. Um, so good yeah so i did uh struggle initially with the they them pronoun usage for london because it's different when you're reading it than when you're like talking about somebody so like i know a non-binary person who uses they them 
pronouns. And when I talk about them, it's very easy to talk about them and use them and use them and mm-hmm. use them. But when you're reading it, the context yes. of you have these two characters here. So are you talking about London them or are you talking about them. the two of them together? Right. So that that was tricky. It did take mm-hmm. me a few chapters to like get into it. I was reading the physical copy. I don't know if it would have been different if I were reading um, the audio. For okay, so for the audiobook, it was peculiar for the ear. Okay. So I knew the author was talking about London, mm-hmm. but when they them they or them was written as uh-huh. in context towards yeah. London, my brain was like, "What did they say?" Right, right, and it right. took several chapters for my brain to go, "Oh, sh- sh- the author means this, this, and this." Right, and I just have to, I had to adjust, right, because I'm not used to using a third set of pronouns when I'm speaking. Mm-hmm. Right. I am, I use primary pronouns because in my life, right. the people in my life are she, her. I don't have a lot of they, thems in right. my life. So the people that do use those pronouns, I'm going to shake the, as uh, just gets, okay. Um, <laughs> uh Using those pronouns were more difficult for my brain to process because we aren't, I'm not using them as frequently. I don't know if I could get any more pronouns into that speech. I, I, I totally she, her, they, she, her, they, he, him. I, I totally understand what you're saying. And, and by the way, I don't know how I understand what you're saying because that is a whole lot of fucking nonsense, but. Um, it also made complete sense. Thank you. <laughs> but, um. Yeah, I, I, I really did feel like at the beginning I had difficulty with that. And I feel like what I was doing was forcing myself to reread they. So instead of saying in my head they, I would say they. Almost yeah. like I needed to remind myself we're talking about London. We're they. highlighting it. Highlight. Yeah. And so I really would, like my inner monologue would like raise my voice in my head to read it's London. London. Damn it, it's London. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, well, this is just an interesting way to live my life. And I probably should unpack that in therapy. I don't know. Um, <laughs> I got this. It's fine. I can do it. I can do it. I can do it. <laughs> so uh, let's talk about the setting. I know both of us had some issues with the setting. So um, why don't you go ahead and start with it? My frustration. This is this is my bell of this book. Mm-hmm. We are in, as a reader, one of the settings everybody knows. I mean, they even talk everyone, about it, right? They even talk about it. Everyone it. watches cooking shows. Everyone. And yeah. for her name is Ke- their name is Kelly. The author's name is Kelly, right? Anita. Anita Kelly. Anita, Anita Kelly. Okay. So for Anita to just gloss over this stuff. Yeah. Especially when it's such a predominant setting and it's such an iconic setting and mm-hmm. we don't get this kind of setting a lot in books. So you're right. one, you're doing something unique. Okay. Right. Let's put aside that it's a female non-binary relationship. Let's put aside the fact that it's um, a competition. You were right. in a TV set. Okay. Right. We don't get that a lot on in right. this. You need to give be descriptive. You need to give us those background noises. You need to give us the PAs right. running around. You need to right. give us the chaos because that's what 
is happening there. Right. And I I feel like Anita Kelly relied too much on the fact that we would know what a cooking show that instead of like telling us what this cooking show looked like. So like early in the reading when we were both pretty early in it, we were texting Mm -hmm. each other and uh, you had said something about having a problem with the setting. And I said, I just kept picturing MasterChef because it's a, you know, and I was picturing Chopped. And you were picturing chopped. And it was like, it's a home cooks competition, but they have those on like the, the, what's it? The great Great British, great British bake off. Yeah. Yeah. Like there's a lot of home chef challenges. And so what does it look like? I don't know. I think they were trying to set it up to be more like MasterChef in my opinion, because there was the like British guy who was like really snotty, which I just, but he wasn't British. But he might not have been British. Like, I don't know. It just, like, somehow there wasn't a clarity of what the fuck was actually happening. It feels like uh, they had a clear idea of where they wanted the story to go. Mm -hmm. The characters, they knew their characters. They knew Mm -hmm. their people. They knew everything. But Mm -hmm. they didn't know the setting. And they didn't know how to fill out the setting. Or maybe they didn't want to fill out the setting. And they wanted to be character heavy. Right. I don't know their intentions. But... What I do know is there was a divide here for the author and she they made a choice mm-hmm. and stuck to it throughout because right. no matter where we are in this book, spoiler alert, one of them goes home. When mm-hmm. they do go home, we don't even feel that out, right? Yeah, actually, I do, I do think kind it, yeah. of disagree with you on that, Molly, because... I do think that they try to flush out parts of the setting um, and we're just not prepared for them Mm. because I want to use the example of, you know, where Dahlia actually gets sent home and she has an interview and she mentions like looking at that glass vase, the blue vase and wondering how she could have something like that set up in her home. And that is the very first time that we have a description of what the space where they film their um, solo interviews looks like. Mm -hmm. And, okay, let's be honest. Setting isn't everything in a story. There are some stories that rely very heavily on the story. If you're reading fantasy, world building is essential. If you're reading our good friend Chezzy's latest book, Grey Miss Fair, she had to build the forest for us. Yes. The forest has to be a character. Wild Oak by C.C. Harrington. We, we met Christina at the con. And mm-hmm. one of the things that we, I talked to her about was how I appreciated that the forest became wild oak became its own character gray's anatomy the elevator is a character anita kelly did not create every witches exactly the, the bishop house. house yes anita kelly anita kelly did not create a character setting but she didn't give us enough of a setting at all and that mm-hmm. is also my biggest complaint about this book yeah like i just I, feel like i needed more of that i loved these characters Mm-hmm. I was attached to everyone. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I loved Babs. I loved everyone. And for me to give this a four star, a three and a half star rating, like in that yeah. range, because it was missing so much was yeah. frustrating for me because yeah. that gap in setting really lowered the downgraded the book for me, if that makes yeah. sense. I gave this a four and would that's have where I settled and, and would have given it a four and a half if she would have, if they would have flushed out the setting. Me too. That, that's what it was. Yeah. All right. So Dahlia um, 
is incredibly down on her luck. Oh, uh, she's Dahlia. given up her job at uh, for a shot at becoming the winner of Chef Special. Mm-hmm. Um, by the way, I should never write notes at the pool again on my phone because these have so many typographical errors in it. I mean, this is like bad. You're um, like, <laughs> the sun's in that looks like a word. <laughs> I had my sunglasses on and I can't really see my phone with my sunglasses on, so I was definitely typing without glasses. So um so what do Solid. you think of, good choice. What good do you choices. think of uh, Dahlia and her character development in this book? I like Dahlia. Mm-hmm. we're getting a real broken character. We are ca- getting a character who is searching. We are getting a character who doesn't know who she is. Mm-hmm. And we slowly get development with Dahlia. Yeah. I had issues in her ending story yeah. and like where she ended up and stuff. Yeah. Um, as much as Dahlia loved LA and how much she felt seen mm-hmm. and felt and warm and like enjoying the crowd. Yeah. is. She fell in love with L.A. Mm-hmm. She belonged. She should have ended up there. I mean, I don't totally disagree. Nashville's a pretty busy city, too. Right. She could get the busy stuff. Right. But I the- actually really appreciated that she didn't have one job at the end. She had, like, four and still yeah. couldn't fucking decide what she wanted to do. <laughs> Girl, same. Girl, same. Like, this feels appropriate for her. I have um, no idea what I'm doing in my life. I'm working on it. <laughs> I love the description of her, like, her physical appearance. Yeah. And I don't mean, like, under her clothes. I mean the idea that she has this mop of thick, crazy, just, dark hair and those brown eyes. And that she's just, like, eh. curvy and voluptuous and just hot. I mean, like, I, I love that description of her. I have a really hard time of picturing someone that has hair down to their butt because that just feels, like, no. Unnecessary. Why would you want that? But um, her character development. So we talked about in Well Met how I didn't think it was good that um, that Emily decided to not go to college and just decided to basically mm-hmm. do a thing for a guy again. Like, that's what yeah. she was. And in this book, I feel like Anita, Anita wrote Dahlia to get to make a choice. Mm-hmm. She, cho- she chose London. But I don't think she did it only for love. I think no. London was also her choosing herself for the first time. It was, she saw a future, a mm-hmm. real future. And with her ex, you could yeah. see she never saw future. She was going along with the flow, right? Okay. She saw, with London, she saw a path forward. She saw them getting old. She saw them being, yeah. you know, the weird auntie and whatever you know, right. London picks as a moniker for that. But mm-hmm. she saw a path forward that was a life. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. And while we do bag on the character that just changes their life for a partner, this right. wasn't Dahlia. I, this wasn't for London, like yeah. most of those characters do. This was for Dahlia. This was if, for her. And hell, London was really ready to follow her. London, London was going to pack up everything they and go like, to Massachusetts. Sure, I don't care. Or, we'll go to the place that you don't love, but I'll go there with you. It's fine. Because I want to be with you. Right. That's the person you need in your life, kitties. Right. That's the person you need in your life. I'm following you. I also thought it was a very smart choice to make Dahlia queer because mm-hmm. of exactly what London asked her. She asked, uh, London asked her, um, are you straight? And they asked her that question because... London doesn't want to be an experiment. 
No. I don't want Dahlia to be like, I'm going to dip my toes into this queer world. And I don't, and, and London didn't want to like flip somebody. London right. wanted to be loved for who they were. Right. And, and if Dahlia would have me been, for me. Yeah. If Dahlia would have been identifying as straight and then I just feel like that would have brought in another layer of complication that this book didn't mm-hmm. need. Um, yeah. And so I thought it was really smart. And I also really appreciated that like, the only person that Dahlia has been with is a man, but that doesn't mean that she doesn't know who she is. Exactly. And I think I identify just because I identify a queer and I've only slept with men doesn't make me less queer. It does not take away my queerness. I something that people use as an excuse. Like, well, how do you know you're gay? You've only been with dudes. Well, but then, but then the flip side of that, right? Right. How many times has a lesbian heard, well, maybe you just haven't slept with the right man? You know, right. like, gross. Right. Gross. Right. Like, we're, we're gross on both sides, guys. We're gross right. on both sides. Um, yeah. Because right, so- I've seen so many lesbians on TikTok that talk about flipping women. Uh-huh. It, no, that's predatory. That happened in uh, one of the books that we read. I'm not even going to name the title because we that's the one that we quit and we didn't mm-hmm. cover that happens in there. Predatory. Yeah, exactly. Um, what was I watching the other day that somebody said that their father went to school with Freddie Mercury and what he said he was best at was flipping straight. <laughs> I was watching something. Oh my gosh. I don't even remember what Tom and I were watching, but it was definitely like... Was that like a documentary? British people. No, it was like... <laughs> humor thing oh british people <laughs> british people. british people i can't remember that, that's all you got to do british I people i got you i just remember thinking oh shit <laughs> that's funny um oh it was ted lasso oh was, we're we're behind it was the last season i think it was the season finale of ted lasso mm. oh we're behind yeah yeah mm. well um rebecca says that her dad went to school with Freddie Mercury and what he says Freddie claimed to be best at was flipping straight guys. <laughs> anyway. That's a Rebecca line. That's a Rebecca line. That's awesome. All right. So uh, London is out on national television as yeah. non-binary. They never really make it clear if London is out as pansexual as well, or if it's just that they are out as using they, them pronouns. I think um, that's a big step on its own. Oh, for sure. For sure. But we don't actually, this is a complaint of mine. We don't actually hear that London is pansexual until like really close to the end of the book. It's like, oh, yeah. okay. That's oh, by the way, you, we know you're assuming she's queer, but we'll give you a title to it. Well, I, and, sorry, I'm diverting from this question here, but this happens like when her dad is like, when their dad is like. Her dad. So does that their mean, dad. Yeah. Yeah. Does that mean that like you're a lesbian now because you're with a girl? And she's like, are they are like, no. I'm not That's how any of this works. I'm pansexual. I don't care about gender. So anyway, so London's out on national television. This has created a new interest in the show and not all of the attention is positive. Mm-mm. What do you think about London and their character development? Um, I'm surprised that this, sh- this is like the first sh- time the show's ever had anybody out before. I don't think that it's that someone was out. I think it's someone was out as non-binary because I have watched a shit ton of cooking shows. And let me tell you, every single episode of Chop, there's somebody who's LGBTQ on it. Yeah. 
Absolutely. Like every single episode. Every single episode. Um, <laughs> All the episodes. Uh, but I think once London came out, and well, I can't remember the character's name, and that character was Lizzie. like, Lizzie was uh, actively like vicious towards her and nasty mm-hmm. towards her. They knew what they were doing, right? Mm-hmm. The show knew what they were doing from there on out. Mm-hmm. They singled those two out and them being talented definitely helped. But they mm-hmm. singled those two out and made sure that the path went forward for that. So mm-hmm. London really didn't get to choose how their story went on the TV. Right. And right. that is so much, it is so resemblant of her, their life. Mm-hmm. Right. London kind of is quiet about their life. They have a mm-hmm. twin. They, but their parents pay for everything. Like they're just right. going. You know, they're coasting. They're not going out. They're not trying to date. They're not trying to find a partner. Mm -hmm. It's it's very much a symbol for how London is in real life. Right. And and they have a lot of growth in this. And they don't even know what they would want to be called in the context of a relationship. No. Because he, her, their dad asks, like, so are you like her girlfriend? And she's like, I know I'm not a girl. So I don't know what we are. But I don't know what we would call it because we haven't even told each other how we feel yet. So I'm um, a freaking sock. Okay, dad, I'm a sock. <laughs> um, I thought uh, one of the things I have to say I appreciate, because I know this came up on your episode last week with, with Leslie. Um, we, the Christian community gets a lot of flack for, yeah, they do for hating on LGBTQ. And truthfully, it's not all warranted. I'm not going to say that there aren't Christians that are opposed to the LGBT community. There is. My experience is that they're more opposed to kids being exposed to it. Cause why should kids know about sexuality when they're six? Like I kind of understand that. Like my seven year old doesn't like girls or boys right now. All people are icky. I just want to play on the playground with the person I want to play on the playground with. Like, why does it matter? My 14-year-old's hierarchy, books, girls, boys. Right, yeah. Like, it's so I kind of understand that. Um, But I, they did not define Lizzie in this book as a Christian, and that's why she was the way that she was. And I have to say, I really applaud that, because I, there are many... There's a hateful person. She was. She was. And there are many religious groups that do not support LGBTQ. It's not just Christians. I mean, Christians it is against, just take the heat a lot. It, it's against a lot of religious practices. And there are just people who are assholes. And it doesn't mm-hmm. matter what they believe religiously or politically. They just hate because they hate. Because they have nothing else in their heart. Right. So I liked that, that, that Lizzie was not defined that way, that she was just an awful old lady. Like, well, maybe that defines her as a generational issue. I don't know. But then we did have, I mean, but then we did have the other person, Barbara, Barbara, who was like that generation and was like totally different. So she's just like, go get your, get Mm -hmm. you some. She's she's like, she's like, London doesn't want to be just your Facebook or your Instagram friend. Like you need to get your shit together. Are you seeing how she looks at you or not? (laughs) Right. All right. So I want to have a discussion. um, And I've already told you that we're going to talk about this. I do not have a question. I just want to talk about um, consent and how the intimate relationship is handled here. um, So good. 
so good because you and I, um, we both have talked about this off pod, so we're going to share it with our listeners. We never thought about what kind of struggle would be present when you're a person who feels like your genitalia does not define or does not match what you believe your gender to be. So what would that look like sexually? Now, I actually had a, it reminded me of, I mean, very small reminder Um, I watched the show Shameless for a few Mm -hmm. years and at one point there is one of the kids is one of the Gallagher kids is, is gay. Um, and he has, yes, he has a, a, a partner, a boyfriend who is trans. Who was in the Volturi. (laughs) Not that one, (laughs) a different one. (laughs) Not the Volturi. He was, uh, one of the, um, he ends up being his husband, by the way. They get I married know, but, in that show. I know they do, but no, he's not in the Volturi. He's in like that other. Oh, the the Egyptian they're the really, one. They're the, the really ones. old ones from Transylvania. Yeah, anyway. oh, that's at Transylvania, not Egypt. Yeah. Um. So he has a boyfriend who is transgender, and when they are intimate for the first time, um, the boyfriend, not Ian, I cannot remember his name, but the boyfriend wants to be. <laughs> the top mess yes i don't know in control and ian's kind of like driving the driving the ship Ian's kind of like but you don't have a dick like how are you gonna be and he's like well i have attachments (laughs) so i'll let you pick (laughs) so i mean there was that small there but it was never really like flushed out but i want to talk about the way it's flushed out here so um what did you have to say about that um, well, first, I have no idea what it feels like to not feel safe in my body. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it feels like to step, like, wake up every morning and look down and not feel like this shit belongs. Right. And so to kick off there, we have no idea how every morning you wake up and she'll function every day that way. Right. That is brave and bold and bravo, gang. Bravo. But I think she did a really good job at giving us clarity as outsiders. Mm -hmm. That was something that was very intimate between two characters that are figuring their shit out. Right? Right. Uh, Both of them are new to this experience. You know? I. London hasn't been with anybody since they came out as non-binary as non-binary. Right. right? So we don't know how London feels personally Mm -hmm. about their autonomy and their body. Mm -hmm. And so for London to initiate consent as they went was setting the tempo, which Mm -hmm. is kind of wild for these two, because Mm -hmm. while they're initiating consent and talking about it and talking through every step of sex, these fuckers don't talk at all about their relationship. I know. What fucking idiots. You can be one of the hardest things in the world to have a conversation. Talk about the fact that you probably will not be in the same place in a few days. Like, come on. There is a chance one of you is getting kicked off tomorrow. Yeah. Like, and I don't know if it's because Dahlia has a transgender brother, if maybe she was more like apt to ask those questions. But when she asked London, can I touch you? And where can I touch you? And London's response is you can touch me anywhere. Like I think about like 
when we're intimate with our husbands, for example, like we know what feels good on a woman's body, right? I don't ask I mean, Matt. I just touch Matt. I don't think about it. <laughs> I'm talking about us being touched. Okay. Oh, oh. Um, we know what feels good to be touched on our bodies, right? Yes. Well, even though London does not identify as, as a female, Mm-hmm. That is the parts that they have. They're wearing yeah. a binder. They still have a vagina. That's got to so, hurt, man. So, oh, I know. I can't imagine crushing boobs all day, every day. Damn. But good but, for you for feeling like yourself. Well, I have a comment on that in just a second. But yeah. Um, but I, uh, I think it. We know what would feel good, but maybe London's not comfortable with that. Maybe she doesn't want to feel good being touched in those areas or they don't want to feel good being touched in those areas because they don't want to acknowledge that those parts exist of them. Right. And so for Dahlia to say, you know, I want to make sure that I'm doing what you want, that she's letting London set the pace that she's letting Mm -hmm. London control the intimacy. Right. And for all intents and purposes, the way that sex has been, Portrayed in schools and through history, the man is the leader of the sex, right? Right. The and driving you, force. Yeah. You look at you look at wildlife. The women aren't mounting the 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 girls are not mounting the boys. Like it's the other way. So if you're dealing with somebody who's non-binary or you know transgender or whatever, or you're a lesbian couple, who gets to be the leader of that sexual encounter? Mm-hmm. We can't think of it as like the penis gets to drive it because there was no, no penis there. No, I guess we go to Alpha. Who's the boss? <laughs> Who's the boss? <laughs> um, but I do want to say <coughs> you brought up. Um, excuse me, I forgot my water today. That's okay. You brought up um, London. Uh, how painful it would be for them to be doing binding of their chest every day. Mm-hmm. And um, we had a question that we actually texted Nurse Katie because London microdoses testosterone. Testosterone, yeah. I'd never heard of that before. I I had only ever heard about um, transgender men, women to men, transgender, that they were taking uh, testosterone to stop puberty, to stop um, their femininity and to transition to men. Yeah. So... Katie actually, she had no idea either. So she did send us some links and um, I found one as well. And I will put it in the comments below or in the description below. Super interesting to read if you're interested at all. Right. But basically the, the, the microdosing would allow London to slowly stop the hormone process that that was completely estrogen and, Mm -hmm. To become more masculine, but not necessarily become a man. Right. So um, it's to balance the features. Right. 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 It's to give a neutral right feel. But then, like this book had me totally thinking about like larger picture, which I guess good for Anita. It's awesome because it made us all. It made us think. I started thinking about Hell's Kitchen, which is a show that I I watched every once in a while. Like I've watched it on and off over the years. But they have a girls team and a boys team. Hmm. And dorm dorms in um, college, they have girls rooms and boys rooms. Mm-hmm. And like now that we have an increase in people defining themselves as non-binary and uh, an increase in people defining themselves as transgender much younger. Like what do those look like now? Like how um, do you rectify that? I know in Houston, mm-hmm. they go with your 
birth identification. I'm not surprised about that because I don't know how you would be able to rectify. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it's muddy, right? Mm -hmm. It's muddy. And look, my choices are my choices Mm -hmm. and whatever I decide to do and whatever my children decide to do Mm -hmm. is their lives. How it affects you doesn't matter until my kids and your kids have to interact. So if my daughter is, I'm not saying my daughter is trans, but if my daughter was trans and she got sent to university with, say you have a daughter and you're Mm -hmm. not comfortable with that, how do we rectify that, right? Right. Because now that's on the school's dollar. Does the school say, all right, we'll make a dorm just for the trans kids? Or it it, it becomes... I mean, it's a continuous issue, issue in prisons as well. Yeah. Um, I mean, they shove, they shove trans females in male prisons all the time and mm -hmm. they're constantly abused. Mm -hmm. This isn't going to be fixed in a day. Unless they've actually had um, gender reassignment surgery. Is it gender confirmation or is it gender affirmation? I don't remember. Unless you've had the gender gender reassignment surgery yeah you can't oh gender reassignment surgery i don't don't think that's what they call it anymore i want to say that they call it gender confirmation now gender i'm looking it up um but unless you've had that you have to be in the prison that is of your affirmation affirmation affirmation. i knew knew it was either confirmation thank you for correcting me no gender affirmation i I Um, knew it was different but unless you've had that done you can't be in a prison with people that you identify with so it's just rough it's rough we're sorry guys we don't do this to you but we're sorry <laughs> i'm we sorry do it to you but we can also try to make the world easier for you to navigate we're trying we're raising the next gen i'm raising two boys to be feminists like i keep telling matt he's a feminist by proxy he has to be he's raising daughters that's it's just in our house we tell the boys that we're raising them to be men and not boys Uh we're raising men and tom and i both agree that men respect women what a concept shocking so um all right so let's talk about the conflict with lizzie because i have some issues with this so at the beginning of the book we find out lizzie does not support london's pronouns about three-fourths of the way through the book then we learn that Lizzie and London are predicted to be the final two. But what did you think about this? Yeah, I can Come on! If this is going to be our main problem in the book, mm-hmm. make it our main problem in the book. Yes. Make Lizzie a mega bitch. Make right. her say shitty things. Make her the mega bitch she is. Make Don't her be dust the person, it in. Make her be the person that tells Dahlia, you fell, so all you can do is make hummus. Like, why there. are you bringing in other why characters? Are, like, and if you're going to give me all these fucking characters, I need development, man. Yes. I need a world built out. You can't yes. do this to me. Like, I, can't. I don't know that this book could have been longer because it, but, like, it didn't need to be, but I, just a little bit. Give me more setting. Here. I'm going to say something to be surprised here. I could have done with less sex if she would have built, or if they would have built <laughs> the world and the characters better. <laughs> You shut up right now. The sex was <laughs> in this book. <laughs> but the sex was no good. respectfully was, fuck you. Mm. That book was spicy. And I it was know, a but perfect it, amount of spice. It wasn't written to be um 
to be erotica. It was written to be a, a rom-com. So I'm I know worried. setting. Ah, Anita, man. All right. Come so on. Both Dahlia and London have complicated families. Do you have any comments on their families? I don't believe her dad for a second. I don't fucking believe, not her, London's. I don't believe right. their dad for yeah. a second. It, so, listen, it glossed I over know, it. I don't know that he ever fully accepted that London was queer or that London was using. He didn't want a divorce. But he didn't he, want to lose He didn't want to lose his family. And you know what, Molly? I've got to respect that. Okay. At least he's fucking trying. He growth. was he was only pushing back before. Right. That's growth. That's but right. the man, I, I say this all the time. It's a Molly quote on here. The man needs therapy. Yes. If does. you are not willing to change, find somebody. But you want change, you need to find somebody that's going to help you make the change. Right. Um, I do not believe the story of Dahlia's mom coming to visit her. And I don't believe Dahlia's mom being like, I was jealous of you. No. I don't believe any of that. The smallest of bullshit flags. I don't even know that it should be a small one. Like, it just didn't. It was a this for me. Um. All right. So, the ending. The ending. All right. It's after a totally predictable breakup. London and Lizzie are in the finale. Of course they are. And Dahlia has come back to support London. Because the producers picked it. <laughs> you know what's funny? Side note. If you do watch shows like MasterChef, watch the credits at the end because it will say to you that parts of the show were influenced by the production. And shows like MasterChef and like, Sorry to put this out there, guys, but America's Got Talent. They recruit for their shows. They absolutely do. So I still get, I've auditioned for the great American Bake Off in Mm -hmm. uh, little known fact, you know this, but the the book besties don't know this. I auditioned, what was it, 13 or 2014 for the great. It was, I don't think it was that long ago, was it? I lived in the League City house. Oh, you did? Okay. I was doing Lula then. Okay, so, so Ron, in Ohio. Yeah, um, but I auditioned for the Great American Bake Off, which is mm-hmm. a spinoff of the Great British Bake right, Off. Right. They air it during uh, Christmas right. on like ABC or something. Right. I have not applied since then. I still get production calls. Yeah, I um I auditioned I, for American Idol the season mm-hmm. that uh, Jordan Sparks won. Uh-huh. And um yeah, reality television is not real, guys. It's not no. real. No. If they're still there, calling there are, me, there are script writers for your favorite reality shows that are not competition. Survivor. Have you seen in the bottom things of Survivor? I'm talking about the competition ones. I'm talking about the ones that aren't. I'm talking about things like the Osbournes. That yeah, show some of the show is scripted. It is on yes. the bottom. It, it's in the end credits. They say it with a little disclaimer, right. with a little asterisk. Some of this show has been scripted. And you're telling me, you're telling me, going back to this book, that that um, challenge winners where they got to pick somebody to give an advantage and somebody to give a disadvantage. You're telling me that that wasn't specifically strategic to pin Lizzie and London against each other. Bullshit. No, that was devised by the producers of the show to make to really that. put a fork in that road. Yeah. Because they saw that's what the public was appealing to. They were Oh yeah. Lizzie they saw the social media blow up and they were like, yeah, exactly. let's exactly. go for it. So 
like, did you feel this ending was cliche? Was it appropriate, predictable, but good? Like, what did you think? I, they belong together. I don't mm. say, don't discount Dahlia and London being together. They yeah. do belong together. Yeah, I agree. I just, I don't like that London just moved there for freaking London. It just doesn't feel, I don't like it. It doesn't make me feel good. It was like, for me. I, okay, I thought the ending was too drag out. And the whole part about her cooking dinner and London eating it and all of that mm-hmm. was really like really, I don't care. Why are we back at the set? To me, well, first of all, I kept going. How did they fuck? Did they get back in the set? You just telling me that they just like left the door open. They like those producers didn't line. like no. Dahlia that much. No, they would have. Well, I don't think that was the problem. They did like her. I think they'd have been stripping the set because something else would have been filming there. Like the very next day. Like no, they're not leaving the they're kitchen. Up, it, they're, they're in the middle of the writer strike too. <laughs> they have nothing to put up. <laughs> so um, I don't know. I. I actually thought what would have been a better ending was just like the at the uh, uh, words. words after London won. I thought it would have been a better ending if they just ran over and kissed Dahlia, and yeah. that was what people saw on TV. And I actually think that I thought it was leading that way because that would be London like really being truly out and America seeing there's this girl that we did not know was queer but some people might have been rooting for the two of them and now here they are they're admitting they're together i know and then i think that that meal would have been more appropriate as an epilogue in their house yeah yeah or a spin-off show yeah or something a spin-off tv reality but i don't feel like we got closure about london's dad and i don't feel like we really got closure on any of dahlia's stories other than she moved like i just feel like it just kind of ended okay so show's over we're done now it's just frustrating. They gave us all this character development and we kept mm-hmm. having to remember that they had these big families, but they didn't pull the families in as much as they should right. have to make us remember them. So right. it's like, I don't know. I have a lot of frustrations here. And, and while I loved this book, I was frustrated a lot too. I agree. And that's something we talk about on the spot is a lot as well. Like we criticize books that we really love. Yeah. Because every book can be criticized. I mean, look, I love To Kill a Mockingbird. I can see issues with it. You love mm-hmm. Discovery Wishes. You can still see issues with it. Does that mean we won't go to our graves defending it? Absolutely not. Absolutely I will, not. I will go to my, I will die on that hill defending To Kill a Mockingbird. Those are going to my, they're going to be cremated with me. I'm going to just hold them. And just okay, that's away. an odd request. But, um. They're mine. That's what you want. That's what you want. <laughs> you, you, you don't want to be buried with Twilight? Do you think I like Twilight more than To Kill a Mockingbird? Well, I mean, you're going to have other books in there, but I'm assuming you're going to want your be buried with anything. But what if you get bored? Molly, that's not what I believe happens after death. I know. I know. Just, it's fine. I'm <laughs> gone. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, whatever. Okay, that's <laughs> Totally off topic. My bad. I don't really have anything else to say. I, I I really enjoyed this book. I did give it a four out of five. I really, I honestly have to say, I'm very thankful to Anita Kelly for yes. the care that they took in introducing me to I... a non-binary character and what that intimacy would look like. Because I feel like I didn't know before. 
This was not I, for me. I don't even know that I would have ever known had I not read this book. Uh, and I've been in the community for a while, but mm-hmm. this was education for me. Mm-hmm. I didn't know. Like, there were things I wasn't aware of. Mm-hmm. You know, like the low dosing of the tea, the consent thing, right? Yeah. I didn't think about that. Right. Especially from London's perspective right. and how much London has gone through. Right. That, that, that was work. And I mean, that was progress for London. So it was right. impressive. impressive. Listen, people deserve orgasms. It doesn't matter if they're men, women, non-binary. They deserve orgasms. Or socks. So talk to your partner so that they can get off. Seriously. That's all I can it's say. Seriously. Yeah. Just be honest. And, and to, our friend, to our friend, Nikki Payne, who talked to us about how women deserve orgasms in books. We see you, girl. We see you. <laughs> we see you. And this book had lots of orgasms. Nikki, if you're listening, just you, go read this one. Read this one, Nikki. And read then also, just, don't forget about us when your new one comes out, because we're mm-hmm. wondering about one, too. <laughs> how about this? How about this? <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh, she's amazing. Okay, okay so next week. Have, you want to talk, huh? Let's talk about next week. Let's talk about next week. All right, so next week is our last week for Pride and our last episode of the season. We are going to be reading Loveless by Alice Oseman. Um, and she is the author of the Heartbreaker series, mm-hmm. the um, graphic novel series that's been made into a show on Netflix. I love that graphic novel series a lot. So I'm really excited to read one of her novels. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so that'll be next week. And then that will be the end of season four. Molly, fuck. Two years, babe. Two in the pocket. fucking years. I'm tired. I bet you are too. <laughs> but hey, we appreciate people listening. So We love you guys. We really love you guys. Yeah, we do. But read a book a week with us. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot. It's a lot. All right, that's all I got. See Me you next too. week. Bye. Bye. Thank you for joining us on Book Besties. Don't forget to like and subscribe. The views discussed here are those of Molly and April, not those of anyone else. Today's book was Love and Other Disasters by Anita Kelly. Your book besties are Molly Biggs and April Watkins, editing by Thomas Watkins, and music is Sleep Sweetly by Pritchetta. Don't forget to follow the book besties on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. If you'd like to contact the book besties, please email us at bookbestiespod at gmail.com or visit our website, bookbestiespodcast.com. Until next time, besties, get lost in your favorite book.